0: You're listening to SBS News. It's the first time that it's really in the spotlight, which means that as governments look at what their priorities are in terms of where they're spending money and how they're accelerating these things, then then they're going to take more aggressive action. So, you know, I just saw today, in fact, you know, Canada, for example, kicking off a program where they're giving away free heat pumps to low-income households, for example, so, you know, reverse cycle air conditioners and so on. Um, you know, these are the sort of actions that are being taken that then can have a radical, um, reduction on the grid. And one of the issues that we've faced over the last couple of decades is that energy efficiency has just never got the attention that, you know, for example, renewables have had. And yet for every dollar you spend on renewables, um, you know, you could probably get four times the bang for buck if you spent that on energy efficiency in terms of taking power off the grid rather than adding more power to the grid. And so if we're really going to hit these, um, ambitious net zero targets, uh, that are rolling out over the next few decades in various places, we cannot simply get there by adding more renewables. We will never reach it at the pace and we, we really can't afford to do that. And so saving it through cooling, even just cooling alone, um, as per this, um, this particular pledge is looking, is predicted to save about four trillion dollars worth of, power assets that will not have to be added on. Um, So we're talking about a very significant um, cost saving for governments um, by focusing in on this area that's been overlooked for so long.
1: And, and so you'd already agreed ahead of time that you'd be supporting the pledge, thus thus your reason for a keen interest to see what Australia would do. How have you reacted to Australia as a, as a government as a nation state has not signed up we have sixty three nations backing it at the moment.
0: yeah, look, I'm quite disappointed um, leading up to it you know I was quite um, outspoken about how I could not really see any reason why Australia wouldn't I mean, of all the countries in the world, you know, many of the aspects of the pledge were things that Australia is already doing. Um, You know, like, for example, we've already implemented minimum energy performance standards. We've already been pursuing um, better efficiencies and so on, which is a lot of what this is about. Um, We've already ratified the Kigali uh, Amendment to Montreal Protocol. And so I didn't really see any huge obstacle and so it's caught me quite by surprise that Australia hasn't um, joined the pledge.
1: And if we look at the list of 63 signatories of this global cooling pledge, we do have developed nations on the list. We've got the US, the UK, France and Germany. So there is a base of support. But the, the number of nations, 63 versus 118, that back the pledge to triple renewable energy capacity and double energy efficiency. How do you read that? Why are we seeing less support for this cooling pledge?
0: Look, part of Part of that is due to the aggressive nature of the pledge uh, because it's calling on a 68% reduction in emissions from 2022 levels. Now, if you look at a country like India that currently only has about 20% of its buildings currently air-conditioned um, and yet is being severely impacted by rising temperatures, they have you know, a very clear and pressing need to adopt much more cooling Um, In the coming years. And so for them to sign a pledge that's based on 2022 levels when they are just at the outset of really adoption, um, that would be very challenging. But Australia is not in that boat. You know, like we're probably well over 90% of our buildings would be air conditioned. And so we don't have, you know, a huge growth market of cooling. Um, What we do have is this opportunity to really radically reduce the energy consumption of cooling, which currently takes 25% of Australia's grid.
1: There may still be time for Australia to sign up. Um, it's, it seems to be with the conference yet to close, there could be some last minute to sign ups. Uh, do, do you think that uh, the uh, requirement to publish national cooling action plans by 2026 might be a stumbling block here?
0: Look, it can be. And I know that Australia has signed up to a number of other pledges already this COP. Um, and so I'm hoping that it is just you know, in the backlog of, of pledges to be signed. Australia was involved, however, in some of the drafting. So they are one of 40 countries that have been involved over the past year in, in drafting up this pledge, um, which, again, is why I was caught by surprise. So, yeah, hopefully they get on, on board in the coming days. Um, I have confirmed today um, with the UN and with the Cool Coalition directly um, that they have not yet signed... So it is confirmed from from the people who are leading this pledge. Um, And so, yeah, I am hoping. I mean, there is some optimism in that, you know, I've been in contact with City of Melbourne. Um, They are indicating that it strongly aligns with their own policies and they are looking to um, most likely get on board um, with this. And so uh, there are some, you know, non-state actors, you know, that are joining
1: so you see that there could be uh, more progressive action or momentum being uh, created at a subnational level, uh, and that could also add to uh, maybe Australia signing up uh, at a later point.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would hope. I would hope that. I mean, certainly some of the cities around Australia are being far more um, aggressive in their climate action plans than the than the federal government is, um, and so yeah, it would be interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, we're quite disappointed. You know, obviously, we're we're pushing hard into this space. You know, we've returned from overseas, having built up, you know, global cooling businesses around the world um, to try and build another one here, um, hoping that, you know, on this occasion, we will get the government support that was lacking in our previous ventures. And so, you know, this is somewhat of a sign to us that, you know, perhaps we should be... Uh, reconsidering whether Australia is indeed the right place for us to go Um, if Australia is not going to get serious about committing to pledges like this and and investing in the technologies that are going to be needed to really allow Australia to achieve its net zero targets.
1: I mean, how has it gone uh, running Conry Tech? Uh, Why is it that uh, non-state actors like yourself and um, your business are really uh, kind of seeing your role to be, uh, I guess, part of the solution here?
0: Look, air conditioning and cooling is is one of those things that's been done basically one way for over 100 years now. Um, And there's been very little innovation in that space because there's been very little, you know, attention given to it. You know, there's never really been in the spotlight, which is what sort of attracted me to this particular COP and this particular pledge. Um, You know, everyone has just dismissed it as, The current state of play that they can do nothing about um and so we are seeking to challenge that notion and say you know this is a major problem i mean comfort comfort as a whole is already responsible for about 15 percent of global emissions if you consider both heating and cooling that's used for comfort you know and and that exceeds that of you know cars in most countries and exceeds many other areas that are getting a lot of attention and so we just strongly believe that this is a an area of focus where with the anticipated tripling of growth of the air conditioning and cooling sector over the next um, couple of decades, if we don't act now, it's going to be very hard for the world to, to meet its net zero targets.
1: I'm reading that this uh, this coalition that you're a part of, but in general, uh, th- that there is an issue with access to equitable access to cooling, particularly if we talk about um, Africa, Asia, um, a third of the world's population facing uh, you know more heatwave conditions. Is is that certainly uh, you know something that's come to the fore in what you're seeing there with maybe countries that have and have not um, backed this pledge? Uh, that the fact that we need to recognise that um, equitable access isn't. Issue?
0: Yeah, it definitely is because historically, as countries like Australia have adopted minimum energy performance standards, what that's meant is that the incumbent manufacturers are still producing those really inferior or uh, outdated technologies, but they're just deploying them in countries where um, upfront cost is still the primary driver in their consideration, and so. Ensuring that as we look to innovate, that we're looking to innovate both with efficiency and cost in mind is really critical because we need these other countries who most desperately need to add cooling, where cooling is changing from being a luxury to a necessity. They need to have access to the latest technology, not technology that we've thrown away you know, 30 years ago.
1: And how many non-state actors have really backed this portion? Do you see an increasing role here for, for other uh, businesses in, in the same sector to be stepping up and, and doing more in this space?
0: Yeah, look, a lot of it um, went under the radar, you know, unless you were really watching this. So, But now that it's out, I've seen a big uptick in this. So from yesterday to today, um, that number of non-state actors has almost doubled already. And so I would hope that that uh, growth rate, you know, continues. Um, for those that, you know, perhaps are in the industry, but haven't had an eye out for, for things at this level. Um, and part of the problem has been that in previous COPs, uh, you know, like last year's COP, COP 27, it was really just a financial COP, you know, and so for a lot of uh, our industries, you know, we haven't really been taking them all that seriously because they haven't, that we, we haven't seen a direct impact on what we're doing. Um, and, the good news is, whether or not Australia signs this or not, you know, a lot of, a lot of shires within Australia, a lot of cities within Australia, um, and certainly a lot of businesses within Australia are taking action, even when the government is not necessarily leading the way. Uh, we would just hope that the government sort of come on board and so, as a nation, uh, we can just push much harder, much faster, um, to enable the clean energy transition to happen all that much faster.